Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Last time on Dungeon Drunks, our heroes have just under two weeks before the epic concert of legendary bardic instruments is going to take place. In that time, they've each decided to indulge in some downtime activities on their own. First up, we're going to follow Jonathan and Carlton. Our wizard is interested in helping out the city watch, while our barbarian is interested in improving his cooking skills. Jonathan. Hello. You had said that during this little break, you wanted to spend some time on firewatch duty for the Watchful Order. Is that still your plans? That is correct. And Jonathan the Magimuscular actually did prepare some... He made changes to his normal spell list, specifically for fire duty. So he's ready. He's raring to go. Excellent. So you show up back at the Amethyst Acropolis... And not immediately, it's like a day or two later for your assignment. I'll say as you enter where the offices are, you see two people. You see Razzo at his normal station, who smiles and waves at you. You see a second person that you recognize, Captain Rifon Press, standing there in his full regalia and epic duster, smiling at you as you enter. And uh, he says, Jonathan. Captain. It is good to see you. Good to see you. You're looking good. Still got the uh, got the excellent duster there. Oh, of course. Well, I know you've been eyeing this thing for quite a while. Maybe if uh, we do fun work today and I can convince you to join the actual watch, maybe you can earn one of your own. Uh, I'm going to say, and Jonathan like does the thing where he like picks up the shoulders of his robe. He's like, this thing, uh, this thing is a lot more handy than it looks. So fashion aside, Jonathan the Magic Muscular needs to uh, hold on to what helps him live. And he kind of taps it. And as he taps it, it, there's a little, some little ripples in the iridescence to indicate that it is like warded. So it's because it's a plus one rope. He nods and smiles and says, well, one of these days, maybe someone will come along and that line will work. But so far, the duster hasn't been quite enough. All right. Well, you're with me today. All right. And Jonathan the Magimuscular is like, it's been a little bit since you last saw Jonathan the Magimuscular in action. And now I can do this. And Jonathan the Magimuscular casts Misty Step at will now and appears behind him. And he startles and looks at you and says, oh, couple new tricks up those robes that don't have sleeves, I see. Uh, yeah, and a few old ones, too, and he cracks. And as he cracks, uh, normally uh, he has uh, blue fire that he kind of, like, kind of uses as, I guess, sort of an emote. Like, if this was, a, if he was a, a video game character, like, the blue flames coming out, it would, doesn't really do anything. It's just an emote. Uh, this time his hands turn just a little icy. Mm. Well, that will be good in case we do actually come across any fire. How much has Razo told you about Firewatch duty? Uh, this is Jonathan the player. How much has Razo told me, told Jonathan the Med Muscular about fire duty? He has told you absolutely nothing. 
But what I will say is you do have information in your package when you joined the Watchful Order that was specifically about this duty, Mm -hmm. which kept getting forgiven of you needing to do for a variety of reasons. One being the last time you hung out with Varifon Press was actually not too long ago in the grand scheme of things. And they considered that your Firewatch duty. So what Jonathan the Magimuscular does know, having read through that package, it is called Firewatch duty because classically, one of the reasons that you go or that any of the magic users from the Watchful Order go is to help with fires, is to help put out any fires that might spring up so that they do not spread and burn down the entire city. However, it's not just the literal term. It is a figurative term. You are there to help out with your magical abilities for any reason that might come up. Fires being kind of the priority. So with that in mind, Rifon turns to you and says, so because you're quite accomplished and we've worked together before, I thought it would be more up your talents to work with me directly because one of my jobs as being a captain is to be on call for more difficult situations. And often those kinds of situations could use the talents of someone who has a little bit of arcane knowledge. Does that sound fair? Sounds fair. Jonathan the Muscular smiles and remembers that he put away some of his more versatile spells for things like control weather and watery sphere, like literal firewatch stuff that he was ready to do. So Jonathan's like, yeah, that sounds good. And it, it like his eye, his on his left eye, just the lower part just twitches just just a tiny bit because he was thought he was literally going to be on Firewatch. I mean, you are. You are literally on Firewatch. There might just be some other things that come up. Right. Okay. <laughs> so Rifon ushers you out of the Amethyst Acropolis and you actually, it's over the course of two or three days that you are on patrol with him. And what you discover is being on control, uh, patrol with a captain of the the city watch is a lot of wait around and do nothing and then all of a sudden there is three emergencies that need to be taken care of there are hours that go by that the two of you stroll through waterdeep chatting amicably admiring stuff that's going on talking with some of the the locals who many of them know the captain and greet him by name and then hours go by of nothing and then all of a sudden there is another member of the watch who comes running on up with a piece of paper to the captain who reads it through and then half the time just gives some instructions and the guy runs off or the girl or whoever runs off and nothing seems to happen. And he turn, he'll turn to you at one of these points and say, we've been tracking down a, a petty theft that's been going on in the sea ward and it seems like we've got a line on somebody that might be holed up somewhere, but they've got it. They've got it. Another time this happens and he says there was a fire, but it actually happened in a place in where they actually had the means to to put it out. So sounds like... Yeah, good for them. Yeah, it sounds like we're going to get through the day without any problems. And then as though, as though that very thing was the thing, another person runs up and announces that, yes, There's a fire on the docks and you need to come. You need to come immediately. And you are ushered off. And Jonathan, from a good five or six blocks away, you smell it. 
it's that mixture of smoke from wood, but also there's, there's a little bit of tar mixed in there and oh, a couple of other things like a like a burnt seaweed, burnt seafood oh, smell. And as you approach the docks, you see two things. You see there is a boat on fire. It is not a boat you recognize. It's small. It's maybe like a, a, a six, eight person sailboat. And it is engulfed in flames. It is obvious that... Actually, give me a perception check. Let me see how obvious it is. Okay. Let's do that. Ten. I'll say with a ten, it's still very obvious that there must be something on the boat that is feeding the fire because it is way too hot. You know fire. You're very familiar with fire. Right. It's way too hot. That is just the boat is on fire. But you can't quite tell what. There are plenty of people standing around trying to throw water buckets. It is still floating in the ocean. So it hasn't sunk yet, which is also a little weird. So there's plenty of water around, but it is completely engulfed in flames. And Rifon looks at you and says, well, I guess we're actually going to get some Firewatch. Anything you could do about this? Yeah, so Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to start approaching the dock where it's docked. How far out is this boat? It is at the docks. Okay. And so at the moment, as you start to approach, the boat is engulfed. The end of the dock, the pier that this boat is attached to, you can tell it's been burnt, but that a lot of the, the sailors and City Watch and people who are around who are helping with this, they've kind of abandoned trying to put the boat out and they've been completely focused on making sure that the fire does not spread to the dock or the pier. So fortunately, right now, only the boat itself is on fire because of their efforts, but they haven't been able to do anything about the boat. Okay. So Jonathan, the match muscular, I think Misty Step is slightly... Nope, it's just the same as walking. So Jonathan, the match muscular is going to uh, uselessly, just for showing off, like poof, 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 closer, because... It's got to be faster, right? It's like jumping in video games. And that it's always faster. I know. I see the look on your face. You, and yes, it's that. Yeah. It's always mm -hmm. faster. So mm -hmm. Jonathan the Magimuscular, as soon as he gets within range, uh, range being 90 feet, is going to roil his hands around and start creating a sphere of water. A watery sphere, if you will. And this five-foot radius ball of water is going to form 90 feet away from him right on top of the boat. And it's going to start churning and he's going to move it around and try and just uh, uh, have the watery sphere just like encounter as much fire as possible. All right. Give me an arcana check. I mean, this, this is going to work. This is 100% going to work. 17. Uh, with a 17, it, you are able to, it's, you're able to douse the flames pretty quickly with this giant watery sphere. It does take a couple of passes, which confirm your initial suspicions that there must be something on the boat that is an accelerant of some sort. Because if it was just the boat that was on fire, one pass of this, this watery sphere would be enough. But you kind of have to roll it back and forth and back and forth a couple of times before it finally sizzles and, and the flames die down. And the boat continues to float, rocking in the harbor. And the smell is just horrific. Whatever it is that was burning on this boat was not good. And the captain, Captain Bryphon Press, looks at you. 
approvingly and says, and here you were worried about not having the right spells on hand. Excellent. Excellent. And it's still floating. <sighs> Care to do a little bit of investigating? See what happened? Yeah. So Jonathan the Magic Muscular is going to start approaching the boat. And uh, of course, he's going to misty step onto it. And as he Rifon is, I will say, Rifon is joining you at this point. Oh, okay. And so when you misty step, he kind of stops for a second and then he got, he sighs and then follows you. <laughs> Sorry, Jonathan. Listen, this is new for Jonathan the Magic Muscular, this particular ability. So Jonathan the Magic Muscular could cast a spell before, but now we can just do so whenever. Oh, he can also do this. Hit me. Um, I know that you've probably got something that you can do. But we are surrounded by people who... Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, next yeah. time. Next time. Ne it's cool. What, you know what? When we're alone, I'll, I'll trust that whatever you're about to do is super cool, and I'll try to hit you, and that you'll stop that, because I can tell when, when people, when you do that thing and you smile, that, yeah, hit me. But uh, the people around might not understand what's going on, so Fair let's focus enough. on the boat. So Jonathan the Muscular, once he's on the boat, is going to start just kind of prestidigitating around him to sort of like start clearing up the smoke so they can see a little bit better. And he is going to get, uh, let's see, he got a 17 on his, no, that was his Arcana. So uh, yeah, I haven't asked you to roll anything yet. Um, yeah, so, so he's going to, yeah, the prestidigitation is going to help. Yeah. So he's just kind of like clearing the way, uh, having a look at where he thinks the fire, the accelerant might be coming from. Okay. You start at the top of the boat, kind of clear it off. The smell is, continues to be horrific. You go down into the boat a little bit. It's obvious that this boat, while you've stopped it from sinking, is very, very damaged. And going too far into it is very, very dangerous because it, it could sink at any time. So you know enough to like go down the stairs and kind of peek your head down into what's underneath the boat. As Rifon stays above, but within eyesight, he's kind of scanning the top of the boat. You hear him calling out to find out if the captain of this ship is nearby that they can talk to. You peer down into the, the bowels of this ship and you see that it is probably a merchant vessel. You see a lot of crates and barrels and uh, stuff that has been really heavily damaged and burnt and you do smell whatever was the main thing that was being burnt, probably the accelerant, was down here. Go ahead and give me a give me a, a perception check first. Okay. Jonathan the Magic Muscular attempts to perceive. Uh what else am I gonna use luck on? I say that. Uh let's let's luck that once more. <laughs> it's worse. Is this is how luck goes. One one more time. Okay, that's probably as good as it's going to get 12. Okay. There's a tinge in the air of that smell that you've been smelling. And now that you're inside the boat and you're kind of away from the docks and the sea and a, a little bit further away from some of the other smells, and probably because you were just doing something with an alchemist, there's a an irony taste in the air that is familiar, but you can't quite place it. Well, Jonathan the Magic Muscular is going to continue to to look, and I guess when when he's down in the uh, in the ship, he's gonna pick up a piece of driftwood and and cast light on it. Mm -hmm. 
so he's got a little bit of a light going. Actually, he's got his... He'll flip down his goggles. Okay. That'll make him see a little bit better in the dark. Okay. You enter the bowels of the ship. You hear Rifon above you going, uh, don't go too far. I'm not sure how long this ship is going to stay afloat, and I don't want to have to be pulling you out of the dock. That is fair. And as you get down into the ship, is there anything in specific you want to be... Look, I'm going to let you roll an investigation check on, on something specific. Okay, Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to try and find evidence of a... So, when Jonathan the Magimuscular was observing the fire resisting the watery sphere, did he feel like it was an en enhanced by something chemical or something magical? You're unsure, but now with that perception check from earlier and the that weird metallic taste in the air... You're thinking alchemical. Okay, so Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to look around for the telltale red barrels that always blow up, or the, the crates that have, like, the, the zebra stripe on them, because all those also blow up. I mean, barrels and crates kind of cover everything. Like, little cylindrical bundles of, like, what are clearly TNT or gunpowder or something. I guess it didn't explode, so probably not gunpowder. Probably not gunpowder. Go ahead and give me that investigation check. 27. Oof. So you notice something very quickly as you start to examine the the interior of the ship, as you get down into it and look around. There were a variety of crates and barrels, absolutely. And that smell and that taste in the air gets stronger and stronger. And you come over to one of the crates, and you do notice that some of these aren't actually that burnt. And you look through where some of the more burnt ones are to look inside. You see glass. You peer a little bit closer, and there's some fluid in this glass. And you pull out a, a piece of cloth, something to cover your hand, and reach inside and pull out a tiny little flask with a stopper on the top. That is very clearly alchemist fire. And you look back into this crate through this broken slit in the side. The whole thing is filled with alchemist fire. It is just dozens and dozens and dozens of vials of incredibly flammable, sticky fluid. I'm going to say you, you, you pocket the one that you have and you turn and look at a barrel next to you, and the top of the barrel is almost completely burnt off, and you kind of peel up one of the, the pieces of wood just to look inside, and it is a multi-layered barrel. The top layer of it is covered in broken glass. You can see the next layer are more vials, and more vials. And you look across the way, and you begin to realize the entirety of the inside of this boat is filled, packed with crates and boxes of nothing but sticky, horrible, fiery fluid. And if you hadn't arrived when you did, the whole pier, the whole dock ward could have gone up in flames eventually because buckets of water would not have put this out. It would have continued to burn, and it would have just engulfed everything. You also know at this very moment, this is incredibly dangerous. So Jonathan the Magimuscular 
is like doing the thing in movies where he's like moving very carefully, very slowly. These his eyes wide under his goggles with realization of what it is of what's happening. So so Jonathan the Muscular is below deck. Can he see up? Like, can he see Captain Press's boots and stuff and stuff? Like, see him walking around? Yeah, I'm gonna. S- he's not walking around. He has stayed by the stairs that you've taken to go on down. I'll say you can still see his boots. Okay, you've moved far enough into the hold to do this examination. You're smart enough not to go so far that you can't keep an eye on him. Okay, he is not leaving that position until he knows you're out of the hold. So as soon as I, as soon as Jonathan Magimuscular pockets the alchemist fire, he's going to look in uh, Captain Rifle and Press's direction. He's going to misty step to him. <laughs> oh. And then he's going to take going... his shoulder and dimension door off the boat. Okay. Where do you dimension door to? 500 feet. Of... Yeah, so, you've got plenty yeah. of space. And we, we go down the dock and appear at the end of the dock. Ah, <laughs> uh, I said you could show off, but th- this is a bit much, don't you think? And he starts babbling like like Sylvester when he gets scared by a ghost, and he's like, and as he's like babbling and pointing, he holds up the alchemist fires like da da, and he's just like, and he's pointing to it as yeah, there's a shitload of alchemist fire on there. Captain Press very gently takes your shaking hand and holds it still. He doesn't remove the vial. Okay. And he waits patiently as you babble, 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 babble until you pause for a second. And then he he starts to do the thing in where... (sighs) 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 I think I have an idea of what that was. Why don't you try again? slower now that we're safe and he's still kind of cupping your hand in a way to hold you still but hasn't removed the alchemist fire just yet all right jonathan the muscular is gonna is gonna pat his hand and then take kind of take it back and be like all right this is what's on the ship just lots and lots of alchemist fire flasks and flasks and flasks and barrels full of flasks and even more flasks just a crap load on there. And that's why it didn't respond initially all that well to the mighty water that Jonathan the Muscular brought to it. And that's also why I got us all out of there as quick as I could, because there was a lot of it. We need to take care of that immediately. How quickly can you get us back down the dock? Okay, uh, that is a good question. Let me Because you went 500 feet away, so he's kind of looked back at that boat yeah, and he's yeah, pointing yeah. to all the people standing on the dock. All right, I can do that one more time. So back over there. Yes, please. All right, shoulder. This time he's prepared for it, and this time when you arrive, instead of that moment of startlement, you see Captain Rifon Press in full take charge mode, and he immediately begins to bark out orders. Some of the people who are there are other members of the City Watch, and some of them are just concerned citizens or sailors or people who are around who are helping. And he seems to have a keen eye for who needs what orders at what point, despite the fact that this has happened incredibly quickly. 
He immediately orders any of the uh, the city watch to surround the area and tell people to stay away. He doesn't want anyone on the boat. He is asking if anyone knows anyone who was a member of the crew of this boat. He tells four or five of the civilian sailors who were helping. He finds out all of them are members of some of the ships that are nearby. Mm -hmm. And Jonathan, as these sailors count themselves off of, oh, I'm on this ship and I'm on this ship and I'm on this ship. One of them says that they are a member of the Scarred Serpent. And you look over and you see that it's not directly next to you. It's kind of two docks down, but those docks are empty. Right there is the Scarred Serpent. And Rifon is telling all of these sailors, go back to your ships, tell them, do not leave the dock for any reason whatsoever, and to be on alert for any fire in the next half hour to 45 minutes. And he looks back at you after sending all these people in a bunch of different directions and giving these orders. And he looks back at you, Jonathan, and he says, do you have any means of helping to push this boat away from the dock so we can make sure that if it does go back up in flames, it is not near the pier? Jonathan the Magimuscular can help with that. So he cracks his knuckles again and casts a Big B's hand. So this hand, as he flexes to finish the spell, the, the hand is also like sort of like grows out of his flexed arm. And he's like, all right. And Jonathan the Magimuscular pushes with his hand and the uh, the Big B's hand sort of follows and starts gently pushing the boat. Excellent. You are able over the next uh, Big B's hand lasts a minute, 10 minutes? Up to one minute. So you would probably okay. need a couple of castings. I'm going to say you're going to need two castings. Okay. But because you're going slow, because you're being careful, because you mentioned that, which is good. You are able to very carefully flick. push. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was waiting for it to be like, and I pick it up or I flick it. No, because you carefully are pushing it back out into the harbor, basically far enough away for exactly what Rifon Press said. If something goes wrong and it goes up again, it is only surrounded by water and you push it far enough into the harbor where... It can be at a safe distance in case something goes wrong. And there is an audible relief as as this happens, as it gets to kind of that minimum safe distance. And after you are done, you do hear a familiar voice as Captain Valeria Ty Turner Langley shows up, boots clacking on on the dock as she says, Well, why shouldn't I be surprised that you've saved us again? Captain and Jonathan, it is good to see the both of you. What's with the boat that's a bomb? Uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular uh, is is also pretty curious about that. I, it was pretty surprising to find out it was it was a goddamn bomb, got a goddamn bomb. And Rifon says it was quite surprising to me too. I'm gonna pull in a couple of people who are experts in this. We're going to do a thorough examination of the ship and find out where this crew went. And we're going to find out more. But for now, the docks are safe thanks to you and probably the entire city of Waterdeep. Hey, uh, Captain, Captain, how about we go for a drink? <laughs> Valeria says, I would love to offer nothing more than a drink. Rifon says, I'm going to have to catch you later as I have a lot of work to do. But yes, 
why don't I meet up with you when I know more about what this is all about? And we'll see if we can track down what's going on with this boat. But for now, I think you deserve a little bit of a drink. And I will say at that (laughs) point, you go off and Tide Turner Langley actually invites you back onto the Scarred Serpent to share a drink and to catch up a little bit, which we can do another time. But I will say from there, your Firewatch duty has ended. And it's a good thing you prepared all those fire spells because, or those water spells because, cool. Well, the next step was going to be, be if I have 10 minutes, I can cast control weather and start like both raining and winding it away. If it had gotten out of hand, if you hadn't uh, put it out as quickly as you did, that might have had to have been the next step because, yeah, that would have been bad. Uh, so yeah, the captain will get back to you when he knows more about what happened on this ship. He's going to call in some some investigators who are experts and do a lot more looking into that. And the next time we get together, maybe you'll hear a little bit more. But we'll, is there anything else you would like to do with Captain Rifon Press or anything in specific you'd like to talk to Tide Turner Langley about? Or are you happy just leaving it there with the two of you enjoying some brandy watching the bomb? <laughs> I think it's going to turn into, because Jonathan the Muscular has been out on the road a little bit, and Captain Ty Turner Langley is a formidable woman with a lot of life experience and very interesting. So I think they're going to, they're going to talk, or he's going to stay as long as she's willing to have him. You hang out with her for the rest of the day on the, on the ship, watching the City Watch at work exchanging stories about what the two of you have been up to. I will say before we end that what you do find out is now that the weather is broken, she and her crew are getting ready to depart, but she is sticking around for one thing. The concert. There's a concert happening in a couple of days at this point, and she is excited to hear all those bardic instruments. Yeah. And that's where we'll stop for the moment. It's going to be a it's going to be a good time. All right. But you you find out she is going to be there. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into one single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from our favorite D&D streams, books, and Faerun's lore. Every week there's something new happening, and the game is available on almost any platform. Need some loot to gear up your champions? We're happy to offer a free Electrum chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on January 2nd at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. P-U-G-H-G-I-R-D-K-Y-P-E. So use that code and let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. Carlton. That's me. Over the break, you wanted to spend some quality time learning how to prepare exotic foods for a fine dining restaurant. Am I correct? You are correct. And I also believe you wanted to go get yourself a chef's outfit, including the poofy poofy hat. You have to have the poofy hat. Okay. Let us assume getting the outfit is... Not anything that's going to be difficult to do. I would like you to first, let's go with the aesthetics. I would like you to describe for me what is the puffy hat and the chef's outfit that you are 
having commissioned made. So the chef's outfit is like your standard, like it's going to be like a chef's jacket, like with the, like the breasted buttons, but it's going to be all black and embroidered chef Q uh, over okay. the uh, left breast, you know, where my little pen pocket is going to have little pockets on the sleeve for like writing instruments and like little notebook pockets. And then the puffy hat, you know, standard kind of like when I have to make an appearance, like on a talk show, like I'm going to dress it all up, but it's like, it's not actually used in the kitchen except for when I need to have a tiny rat in there pulling the hairs on my head. All right, all right. So for those Waterdeep Wazoo talk shows that you're going to be on, for the the interviews for the newspaper, perfect. So you said black with the chef Q. Are you doing the full pants and shirt, or is this just an apron? It's going to be the full jacket. It will be custom. The pants, I'll just get like the off the rack, you know, black and white, like striped, whatever they normally have, since I'm, you know, usually there's going to be a counter covering my waist, so like, I don't really need to spend money on that. All right. All right. But I appreciate that you are getting basically a full outfit that you're not just hanging out in your armor. I'm not, I'm not uh, shirt cocking it, Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, all I'm right. shirt cocking in the kitchen. That's a quick way to get a, get a slapped with a safety inspection. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. So the easy part out of the way, the hard part, Gestock is willing to help as far as he can. But he does want to know, before he's going to help, do you have an idea of what kind of exotic food you wanted to procure? Well, I mean, I know some people that have access to exotic meats like basilisk and stuff like that. But I've also got a connection back in the Feywild to get really some like exotic plants and some of those exotic critters. So I might try to reach out to them as a supplier for the restaurant. Out of curiosity, who is your connection back to the Feywild? Ekbjarn in blue. Okay. All right. I'm going to have my dog help me find food. More importantly, you're going to have the god of unicorns help you find yeah. food. His, All right. He would know what is good eats and what I can take that would not disrupt the ecosystem. Because okay. we want to do sustainable sourcing at our restaurant. I love it. Because then I could charge the rich assholes more. All right. Now, obviously, right now, you're not trying to source in quantities for an entire restaurant. You're no. just kind of doing some experimenting. So let's lean into this whole Feywild connection. Yeah. How exactly are you contacting Blue and Ekthiarn? So I think we've already established before. So as a Path of the Ancestors Barbarian, I have Augury and Clairvoyance. I think before we used one of them to reach out to Blue to kind of get in contact with me, didn't we? Because there was that point where like, I had the Spectral Blue like checking in on him. There was a bit more going on than that. Okay. But well, in that case, but... Seek, our good friend Seekin. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Seekin is a bit more of a, a direct line. So, okay, you uh, head on over to Green Green Grass, where Seekin is curiously enough not out in the the back where the garden is, where his greenhouse is. He is up front at the little office ish place where there's the desk, and you do notice, for the first time since you've entered this establishment, and since Seekin has been the owner of it, there are floorboards, and there's a chair, and there's a window with curtains. And you walk on in, and Seekin goes, Oh, hey, Carlton, hi! Hey, Seekin, I love what you've done with the place! Uh, thanks, yeah, so... I learned yesterday about property values. And so I was told I need to do some 
beautification to my property for its value. I'm uh, not sure I understood, but they said that this would all help. Does, does it make? Does it help you? Well, only if I were trying to buy your place. Are you trying to sell your place? No. Then do whatever makes you look good. Like, whatever makes you happy. Fuck property values. As long as you're happy and the building is up to at least code and it's not going to fall down and kill someone, who cares if there's an extra chair or floorboards or a window? You want me to help you rip out the floorboards? I'll help you rip out the floorboards. Ah, uh, no, it actually is easier to clean up the, the, the goose poop. Yeah, So definitely. I don't mind I that. that. And, and the window's kind of nice because now I don't have to go out into the greenhouse in order to see what the weather's like outside. So so that that's kind of good. And the chair, I, I, I don't mind the chair because every once in a while I like to sit down. We call those silver linings. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Anyway, hi. What, what, what can I help you? So I'm getting at that age, you know, 27, where I'm thinking about retiring. And I've been thinking about what I want to do with the rest of my life. And I've been really getting into cuisine. And I remember when we were in the Feywild, I saw a lot of interesting plants that looked like they may have been edible, a lot of interesting critters. So I was wondering if it was possible to be able to talk to your grandfather about sourcing some ingredients that would not harm the ecosystem there. Oh, yeah, sure. Hold on a second. He reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a very familiar tuning fork. Yeah, and and, uh, Carlton is all ready to get, like, he knew the second he said he wanted to speak with, we were going. Okay. He's been down this road with Seekin before. Where it's like, I need to go, boom, we're in the Feywild. Ah, okay. I love this so much. I was totally expecting you to say no, but here we go. Let's do this. It's not a surprise this time. I know, I know. Plus, he also gets to see Blue, who hasn't seen in a while, and he's really kind of, it's always good to see family. I will do one thing, because I'm a kind and generous DM. Carlton, roll a history check. Uh, history? Uh, 13. You remember the last time you were gone in the Feywild for a couple of days and months passed. Oh, yeah. Eh! Oh, wait. Okay! So, wait. Before we go, wait. Seeking, give me one second. I mean, oh, oh. I, gotta, I gotta leave a note. Okay. Yeah. A note. So I'm gonna write a note. Sure. Gone to the Feywild. BRB. Or not. <laughs> and then I'm gonna fold it up, leave it with Gestalt, say, hey, uh, when you see Bernie, give her this. And he opens it up. Oh, no, no. I do not want to be slaughtered by Bye! your little cleric. No, no, no. <laughs> Where do you think you're going? Carlton leaves before you can get it back. All right. So you head back to Seekin, who is more than happy to go and visit his grandfather and Blue in the Feywild. And we're going to skip through a little bit of this, because if you do also remember, Seekin doesn't know how to teleport directly to his grandfather or the puppy is not a puppy anymore you go to the city and then you have to take the trip over a day or so in order to get to ekthiarn and everything that is going to be an adventure for another day lauren i am happy if you want to do a a one-on-one session of us getting to ekthiarn doing that i am super excited to make that happen but let us say for the sake of awesomeness and for the sake of uh the other people in this in this party that will be an adventure we will talk about on another day but you do make it after about a good day and a half of travel to the Grove of Ekthiarn. And this time, instead of finding a grove that is under attack by horrible creatures and in danger, you do find a lovely grove. And you are not met by Ekthiarn, but you are met by Blue in the fields outside of the grove, who is now a full-grown adult direwolf, but still prances like a puppy when he sees you. And you do hear 
in your head as Blue comes bounding on up. Hi, 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 hi. Oh, hey, buddy. And he, I start doing the aggressive scratches behind the ear. Oh, I missed that. I've missed people who are scratching right behind the ears. Oh, oh right. Ectheron doesn't normally have hands. Well, I mean, he's got the horn, and the horn is awesome. But it's more pinpointy. Well, yeah. Yeah. But like fingers. Fingers are so good. Oh, keep going. Keep, right. Yeah. Right there. Right there. Right there. Ah. And he does that thing where his leg shakes. Hi. So are you here now? I have some time off from my various things. What's time off? So when people ask me to do things for money, sometimes there's a period where they say, you don't have to do anything. We're also not going to pay you, but you don't have to do anything in this window before we have the next thing we need you to do. So we're in that window where I don't get paid and I have nothing to do. What's money? Uh, It is used to exchange for goods and services. It is a made-up concept that humanoids have decided is worth everything in the world in exchange for goods and services. And the more of it you have, apparently the better off you are. It's a bunch of hogwash, but it's the way the world works. Well, not this world. Keep scratching. Oh, yeah, buddy. Okay, all right. So you're here forever then. For a little bit. Uh, eventually, uh, I have to go back. But I was hoping to speak to Ekthiorn. Is he going to be around today? Uh, hold on a second. And Blue turns and howls. And it is an echoey, kind of ethereal howl. It doesn't really spread out as much as you expect, but it does It does give you that that ASMR moment of pleasure where kind of the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, but in a good way, and the, the tingles up your spine. And then there's a shimmer behind blue and a pleasant lavender smell, and then the massive ethereal godlike unicorn Ekthiarn is standing there. Hello, Carlton. Uh, I give him a little bow nod to a- acknowledge his presence. And he nods to you and he, s- and he says hello and he says, it is good to see you again. Is there anything we can help you with? Well, as I was telling your grandson, great, 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 you, just grandson, as I'm getting towards retirement age of 27, I'm thinking about opening up a restaurant. And there's so many of these like pubs that just serve the greasy stews and stuff like that. So I wanted to have more of a little bit of a fine dining experience, something for the palate. And I figured when last time we were here, I noticed like all these beautiful edible plants and like creatures and stuff like that. So I wanted to consult with you before I started just taking things to see what would be good for a humanoid palate that wouldn't kill them, uh, but also wouldn't disturb your ecosystem. And if it is okay to even take anything, and if not, I totally understand and respect that, but I figured I would ask your permission first. Well, I appreciate that. I'm not sure if I know all of the things that are safe for people on the material plane, but I can definitely make some recommendations, and we can work out a way to get you some some ingredients on a regular basis. Do you have some time? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I've got like 10 days in my time. But also, like, it's this fancy smancy like, concert. So, eh, hopefully I get back in time. That is good to know. Do you want to begin immediately? Uh, y- sure. Unless you want to catch up with your grandson. We can do that along the way. Seekin, are you busy? And Seekin goes, just helping all you. I mean, I locked the door before we left, so I should be fine. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You didn't see me do it? Uh, I was, uh, oh, probably when I did the whole note thing, I was, I was so excited to see Blue and talk to your grandfather, and I've got really big dreams for a barbarian. 
I mean, you've got really big dreams for a person. I think that's awesome. And I, w- I want to help you find spices. And Carlton, I'd like you to make two rolls for me. I would love to give you two rolls. I would like you to give me a nature check with advantage. And tell me what that number is. 19. Nice. I would like you to roll a d100. Uh, d100. 99. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know what's going to happen, but I like it. Holy crap, 99. All right. It's, it's in the chat log. Carlton. Yeah, that's me. You spend 99 days in the Feywild. Oh, fuck. Wandering with Ekthiarn, gathering ingredients, trying a variety of things, <laughs> sampling much all over the Feywild. No. Ekthiarn transports you to multiple places. You try fish. And animals and flora and fauna of all kinds. Seekin is an accomplished hunter. You find that while he has no offensive spells, he is an accomplished person at wild shaping and helps you and Blue hunt the game that is available. Ekthiarn seems to have a knack for knowing exactly the right stuff to find and try. And you all spend a great amount of time working out a way for Blue, who is now full grown in his powers as a as a fey direwolf to be able to, on occasion, come to the material plane and maybe bring a basket of stuff with you. And it feels like a blink of an eye. It's a wonderful time, especially as you're being shepherded by a by a unicorn god. And you realize it's it's been a little while. And when you are done, Seekin pulls back out the tuning fork and you all say goodbye. And uh, Blue promises that he's going to be by in a couple of days with the basket of stuff that you have prepared for the next time you're going to experiment with some Feywild treats because you've done an incredible job of picking out just the right stuff, especially the spices. You've got a whole bag of spices with you. And you teleport back to the material plane. I'm half tempted to text Julia. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, here's the here's the awesome thing that happens. Time. It's been, you know, four months that you've been in the Feywild, and you haven't even realized until that last moment, and you realize, oh, oh crap! And as you appear <laughs> back in green, green grass, and you look panicked at Seekin, and Seekin placidly looks at you like nothing has gone wrong. I would like you to roll. A wisdom saving throw. As the party knows, I'm really good at... No, I'm not. Oh, sweet, sweet, sweet. Thank you, dice rolls. Uh, Soft 20. Okay. You arrive back in green, green grass. You have this moment. And then you hear a pounding on the door. And you hear Gestock. Carlton, I'm not telling Birdie about this. You've got to pound. As you've arrived... Several seconds after you've left. And that's where we'll stop your little one shot. <laughs> I cannot believe you rolled 99 on that. And then you roll. Holy shit. Oh, my God. You are almost gone from the Feywild for the rest of the campaign. I was like, you know, I perfect. <laughs> See, at first I was like, all right, I'm going to be a couple days. And I was going to be like, hey, Lauren, if you want to do it, like I show up and it's like at the time of thing. And we got to do a montage of Carlton, like speed running through Waterdeep to get there. I would have been happy with that. Or like, oh, shit, it's 99 days. I'm happy to roll up another character and then, like, after that scene, come back as Carlton. 
Well, fortunately, I rolled to have it be the opposite of the last time, which was because the last time you were gone for only a couple days in the Feywild, but it was a lot of time on the material plane. This time I rolled and it was the opposite of that, but I wanted to see how close to the time. So basically that moment, that wisdom saving throw was Before we end my mini session, Mm -hmm. Carlton has his normal amount of scruff. He did not shave once while he was in the Feywild. I love it. So he was How gone a few seconds on the material plane, but now has a full-grown beard. I love it. I and love like it. Shaggy hair. I I was like, is are we gonna need a wish to fix this? Like, <laughs> we've got no, just a barber. We've got cannon. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a great excuse for Jonathan to finally learn wish. Carlton's missing. I gotta learn wish to get him back. Oh my god, I love this. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our top-tier patrons. Thank you Megan, Lori, a.k.a. Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, Rebecca, a.k.a. Bunny Monster, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.